I remember when, as a kid, I got my first real basketball. I loved the feel of it in my hands. I was so enamored with the ball that I didn't actually want to bounce it or use it because I didn't want to ruin it. I didn't want to ruin the feel. I love the sound of it too. The tap, tap, tap of when a ball bounces on the hardwood. The crispness and clarity. The predictability. The sound of life and light. Those are some of the elements that I loved about the ball, about the game. They were at the core and the root of my process and craft. They were the reasons I went through all that I went through, put in all that I put in, dug as deep as I dug. It all came back to that special tap, tap, tap that I first grew infatuated with as a boy. Okay, so that's from the very beginning of this giant book that I have in my hand and that I finished reading this week, which is Kobe Bryant, The Mamba Mentality, How I Play. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. Like uh, it's almost like the size of a coffee table book. Most of, it's like two hundred some pages, but mostly it's it's pictures of events that happened in Kobe Bryant's life and career, and then him explaining the process and how he was thinking behind the scenes. So you could read it in probably a day, maybe two days. But the reason I thought it was perfect for um, the podcast was Kobe Bryant is definitely a misfit. He is a um, a very unusual person. Uh, he thinks very deeply about everything that he does. And I think this whole idea of the way he approached his craft of basketball, and to me, he is a founder because he founded Kobe Bryant Inc. Um, and it just so happens that he made his money through an organization called the NBA. And then as we see, uh, I was just reading about stuff he's up to since he retired. And he has a venture capital firm now that's doing su- that's successful. Um, he won an Oscar. He's got a media company. He's got all these things. And that I just read that he... When I just read uh, that he won an Oscar, like that's uh, honestly not very surprising to me after you read his book and you realize that this guy does not play any games. Like he's not going to do anything unless he does it. He's fully immersed in it. So I, so I want to talk to you about it on the podcast today because I think all the, the way he approached his craft of basketball, um, there's ideas and, and, and principles that can be applied to whatever it is that, that you're doing in life and whatever it is that your craft is. So I'm just going to run through... Um, the highlights and the parts that I wanted to talk to you about. So let's just jump into that first. Um, you have the forward of the book, which is written by his longtime teammate, this guy named Paul Gasol. And um, this is just Paul. some highlights about Paul and Kobe's level of preparation. So first of all, he talks about, hey, I got traded to the Los Angeles Lakers, and um, I passed my physical, and I'm excited. So I, I try to join the – I fly to where the Lakers are playing. It's, it just happened to be in Washington, D.C., And he gets in and he says, uh, he gets into his hotel room. He says, it was past 1 a.m. when I finally got to my room. And shortly after, I heard someone knocking on my door. It was Kobe. The message was clear. There was no time to waste. The moment was now. Let's go get ourselves a ring. One of the qualities that has made Kobe so successful and always will is his attention to detail. He always used to tell us, if you want to be a better player, you have to prepare prepare, and then prepare some more. His dissection of the game was at another level. In my entire career, I've never seen a player as dedicated to being the best. His determination is unparalleled. He unquestionably worked harder than anyone else I have ever played with. Kobe knew that to be the best, you need a different approach from everyone else. That's a really important point. I remember a time when we got together as a team to have our annual dinner right before the playoffs. I was sitting next to him, and as we were getting ready to leave, he told me he was going to the gym to get a workout in. 
as much as I was very aware of the amount of extra time he put in outside of our regular work hours, it always shocked me how disciplined he could be even during a relaxed situation. When everyone else was thinking it was time for bed, his mind was telling him to his mind was telling him it's time to get ahead of the competition. Over the years, a lot of people have wondered how difficult it must be must have been to play with Kobe. This this reputation that Paul is talking about, that Kobe's kind of like they, they call him like a, a terrible teammate or whatever the case is. And Paul's like, listen, um, that's just not I didn't find that to be the case. So he says, over the years, a lot of people have wondered how difficult it must have been to play with Kobe. It really wasn't. All you had to do was understand where he was coming from, what he was about, and how badly he wanted to win. He would challenge players and coaches to match his intensity, his desire to bring their very best every single day, not just at games, but at practices too. So that kind of environment, you could apply that to workplaces too. If you're really extremely talented, do you want to work with people that don't take their craft seriously? Of course you don't. So for Paul, it's like, yeah, he may be hard to deal with sometimes, but you have to, if you understand why he's doing it, he's not doing it to just be a jerk. He's doing it because he wants to win and he feels that's the way to win. Now, even though they're playing a zero-sum game because there's going to be one champion at the end of every year. Um, in the business world, obviously, it, it can be positive sum. But it is, um, I think it's helpful to realize that like that's Kobe's approach to winning. There's other people that have other approaches that can also work. All right, so it says, Kobe wanted to find out what you were made of and if he, and if he could count on you to help him win, plain and simple. It will all, I will always be thankful to him. So I just like that too. Going back to when I always talk about, I don't think even though it's become kind of cliche to, to, to try to learn from Steve Jobs. Like, I don't think, I think like the opposite. I think people have not learned enough and his clarity of thinking is so rare and appealing to me. And in this case, we're seeing that, that echo here with Kobe. It's like, listen, he's just, he's going to win. He wants to win. That's it. So he's going to orient his entire life and the way he interacts with you around that one simple goal. Did we win the basketball game or not? So he says, enjoy this magnificent book, which reflects some of, our, some of what I've shared here with you, the qualities of an extraordinary person. I have no doubt that you will be inspired. And I definitely was inspired when I finished the book. I'm going to skip to the very back cover because he's, Kobe says something that I think is important and it kind of um, fills you in on like, why am I making this podcast for you? Uh, and it says, this is Kobe talking. He says, when I see people talk about finding inspiration in the Mamba mentality, it makes all the, my hard work, all the sweat, all the 3 a.m. wake-ups feel worth it. That, that, that's actually not the important part. This sentence is the important part. That's why I put together this book. All of these pages incorporate lessons, not just lessons on basketball, but also the Mamba mentality. So he's just got, he's got a branding. So he's just telling you the Mamba mentality is just the way he approaches life. He just happened to put a name on it. Um, okay, so the introduction is written by Phil Jackson, in case you're not a, um, a basketball fan, an American basketball fan, um, or the NBA fan, rather. Yeah, Phil Jackson's one of the, the he's one of the coaches, he might have the most rings, I don't know, him or Red Auerbach, but he, he just won a, he was the coach of Michael Jordan and the coach of Kobe Bryant, among other people. So I just pulled out one thing from the introduction, and th- this is something that inspires me, something that we're all doing together on Founders Podcast, is that we're studying the history of our craft. Uh, and he says, and Kobe definitely studied the history of his. Um, so Phil Jackson's talking about um, Jerry West is this famous player um, and executive. He's actually the, the logo for the NBA. So he played in like the 1960s. And Jerry West calls Phil Jackson one day. And he says, um, I received a call from Jerry West who wanted to relay a conversation he had had with Kobe. Kobe had called him to ask how he and Elgin Baylor 
had both been able to score 30-plus points a game while sharing the ball on the same team back in the 1960s. So throughout this book, Hopi references the fact that, you know, he spends all his extra time when he's not working out and not practicing his craft talking to people that came before him. He learned from Bill Russell. He talks about uh, some of these really famous or really successful basketball players in the past. They write autobiographies. Kobe would read them. He's like, there's so much good information here that I then used. He'd meet up with people that had passed retired and ask them to, hey, show me your footwork. Show me how you did the shot. Um, He says, you know, if you watch Kobe play and you were fortunate enough to be old enough to watch Michael Jordan play, you see a lot of the same um, moves. And Kobe's like, "I, I love, he talks about downloading information like he, he thinks of himself almost like a computer he's like well I, well I saw michael do that shot that shot works away really well let me practice and then he trained himself to do so um and again i just think that like why wouldn't you do that like if you want to be good i assume that it, like if you want to be the best you possibly can in whatever it is that you do like why would you not go and see how you can learn from the the experience of other people i don't understand how so few people do this because it's just you, you see all almost all top performers do this um, so it says, now we're going to go skipping into, and each page has like a big picture and then like a short little essay. So he says, uh, this is now Kobe writing. He says, when it came to basketball, I had no fear. What I mean by that is if I wanted to implement something new into my game, I'd see it and try incorporating it immediately. I wasn't scared of missing, looking bad, or being embarrassed. That's because I always kept the end result, the long game, in my mind. I always focused on the fact that I had to try something to get it. And once I got it, I'd have another tool in my arsenal. If the price was a lot of work and a few missed shots, I was okay with that. As a kid, I would work tirelessly on adding elements to my game. I would see something I liked in person or on film, go practice it immediately, practice it more the next day, and then go out and use it. By the time I reached the league, I had a short learning curve. I could see something, download it, and have it down pat. From the very beginning, I wanted to be the best. I had a constant craving, a yearning to improve and be the best. I never needed any external forces to motivate me. Um, Something I think about a lot and one of the most important um, lessons I've learned over the past few years is that time is the best filter. And Kobe is kind of echoing this on on a few pages later. He says, over the years, my routine might have changed. Talking about working out, getting stronger. But my philosophy never did. If something has worked for other greats before you, and if something is working for you, why change it up and embrace some new fad? Stick with what works, even if it's unpopular. So we're novelty-seeking primates, if you really analyze what human beings are. And um, now it's all, it's, there's you know, some value although, uh, in that, although I would say uh, my personal opinion on it is like it's much smaller value than most people uh, would place on it. But this important thing is like time is the best filter. If this is the, the if this is how people have been gaining strength and building muscle for for what they need to do for centuries, it probably still works. It doesn't mean you have to chase every new fad. And this is Kobe on um, train the importance of training your mind, not just your body. And he says, I didn't train only my body. I trained my mind too. The only way I was able to pick up details on the court to be aware of the minutia of the hardwood hardwood was by training my mind to do that off the court and focusing on every detail in my daily life. By reading, by paying attention in class, and in practice, by working, I strengthened my focus. By doing all of that, I strengthened my ability to be be present and to not have a wandering mind. Just as important as reading was, cultivating relationships with the greats who'd come before me. 
So he's saying they're, that's a weird sentence, but he's saying they're, they're equally important to him. As evidence of this, look at my retirement ceremony and who was there. Dad will tell you how I managed to get my jerseys up there, meaning retired his jerseys. You had Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Jerry West, James Worthy. Those guys taught me the lessons that gave me an edge over my competition. That's why I think it's so important to have those mentors, those North Stars who you learn from and look up to. So that's pretty clear. These guys had experience. Kobe wants to learn from that experience. And then he's going to take their what he learns from them and apply it to his own life. Um, okay, so this is Kobe on greatness. If you really want to be great at something, you have to truly care about it. If you want to be great in a particular area, you have to obsess over it. A lot of people say they want to be great, but they're not willing to make the sacrifices necessary to achieve greatness. They have other concerns, whether important or not, and they spread themselves out. That's totally fine. After all, greatness is not for everybody. So I think he's just telling us, hey, like you can be great, but you can't be great at 10 things. So you got to make these hard choices and figure out what it is that you actually want to focus on and then eliminate all the other unessential things around in your life. Um, just talks about his curiosity. He asked a bunch of questions. Um, this is counterintuitive too. Steve Jobs echoed this. Where he's like, you know, talks about when he was younger, he was 12 years old. He just, he looks up, I think it's Bill Hewitt's uh, founder of Hewlett and Packard in the phone book, the time everybody's numbers listed. And he just said, Hey, I'm, I'm building something. I need these parts. Would you help me out? Bill sat on the phone with him for like 15 minutes, or 30 minutes, answered all his questions and then gave him a job working the, the, the next summer. And, and Steve said from that, he's like, you know, a lot of people don't understand if you have a, if you're curious and you're interested in their work, like people, you will usually help you out in whatever way, whatever way you can. Kobe's kind of echoing that sentiment here where he's like, um, you know, I was curious. I asked a ton of questions. I wanted to improve, to prove, learn, fill my head with the history of the game. And he says, a lot of people appreciated my curiosity and passion. They appreciated that I wasn't just asking to ask. I was genuinely thirsty to hear their answers and glean new info. So again, that's just a part of human nature. Like they're, they'll help you. You just got to ask and, you know, and make sure that, that they know that you're doing it, um, that they're actually going, you're going to apply. You're not just wasting their time. And then um, I love this. He says, just do it. I never thought about my daily preparation. It wasn't a matter of whether it was an option or not. It was. If I want to play, this is what I have to do. So I'll just show up and I'll do it. I love that idea of just having a routine, knowing what you're doing in advance. Don't give yourself the, op the, the option to like, oh, wake, wake up. Oh, yeah, I don't feel like working out today. Oh, I don't feel like working hard today. Or I don't feel like doing this today. So like, no, it's just this is what I am and this is what I do every day. Okay, this is him more about all the stuff he learns from histories of the past. He's talking about Magic Johnson here. He says, I revere the players who made the game what it is and cherish the chances I had to pick their brain. Anything that I was seeing or going to see, any type of defense or offense or player or team, they had already encountered years before. And it says, um, he continues, uh, I talk with them to learn how to deal with those challenges. After all, why reinvent the wheel when you can just talk to the wheels that were created before? So it kind of accelerated his learning. And this is Kobe on what he learned from Muhammad Ali. I learned a lot from studying and watching Muhammad. One of the main takeaways was that you have to work hard in the dark to shine in the light, meaning it takes a lot of work to be successful and people will celebrate that and people will celebrate that success. They'll celebrate the flash and the hype, but behind, but behind that hype though is dedication, focus, and seriousness, all of which outsiders will never see. If you stop being dedicated to the craft, the commercials and contracts will fade away. 
Muhammad was also great at, at game planning. One of his strategies that I emulated was the rope-a-dope. A lot of people know that as a catchphrase, but I appreciate the psychology behind it. The idea that you can manipulate an opponent's strength and use it against them. That's a really a brilliant concept, and I used it often. Um, so this is just a smart idea. And he says... Reading is fundamental. I made a point of reading the referee's handbook. How many, how many NBA players have done this? This is really smart. One of the rules I gleaned from it was that each referee has a designated sl slot where he is supposed to be on the floor. If the ball, for instance, is in place W, referees X, Y, and Z each have an area on the court assigned to him so he knows where they have to be, and he memorized that. When they do that, it creates dead zones, areas on the floor where they can't see certain things. I learned where these zones were, and I took advantage of them. I would get away with holds, travels, and all sorts of minor violations simply because I took the time to understand the official limitations. This guy was relentless. Is relentless. And I've already mentioned Steve Jobs two or three times on this podcast. The note I left myself on this page is this just seems like something. This sounds like Steve Jobs could write this. Pair. If Steve Jobs was an NBA player, this is like what he would write. I was an absolute perfectionist about the technology that went into my signature sneakers. I cared about every little detail. I cared about the weight, the weight distribution, the materials, the cut, the traction, the durability. I was meticulous about every curve, contour, and stitch. I didn't want any loose ends. I didn't want my foot sliding in the shoe. I didn't want anything that could take my focus even for an instant off the game. My sneakers didn't just have to be comfortable. They had to help me perform better. So these, these brief moments of silence, you can hear me turning pages, right? I'm not just sitting here <laughs> adding extra uh, drama to the podcast. I'm just getting to the ne my next set of notes. Um, okay, so the note I left myself. Jesus, book is, I could work out with this book. It's huge. Uh, it says, uh, identify your weaknesses, fix them. The, the score will take care of itself. The score will take care of itself, of course, is one of the most famous and most uh, widely um, recommended books for startup founders. It says a critical period for my development. At the end of my first season in the NBA, we had made it to the semifinals. But in the deciding fifth game, I let fly four air balls and we lost our chance at the title. Those shots let me know what I needed to work on most, my strength. That's all the air balls did for me. In that game, nerves weren't the problem. I just wasn't strong enough to get the ball there. My legs were spaghetti. They couldn't handle the lo that long of a season. How did I respond to that? By getting on an intense weight training program. By the start of the next season, my legs and arms were stronger than I was, and I was ready to get it on. In the immediate aftermath, I was never concerned by how the franchise or fans would react. I knew I would put in the work, which is what I did. In fact, as soon as we landed, I went to, this is after he gets kicked out of the playoffs in his uh, rookie year. He says, I, uh, after we landed, I went, to, went directly to pa Pacific Palisades High School gym and shot all night long. I went back the next day and worked, and I worked and worked and worked. In my mind, it was never a matter of, oh, no, I'll never get another shot at this. This is an interesting sentence. I felt that my destiny was already written. I felt, I knew that my future was undeniable, and no one, not a person or a play, could derail it. So, of course... He identified weaknesses in his game that just happened to be physical ailments, and he he remedied that through uh, through more intense exercise. It, you just in in you know in our work, 
you just maybe don't have maybe not working as much as you want to maybe you don't have the ideas you need maybe you don't know enough about what you need uh like need to know to succeed so your version of that was going out and getting those ideas getting that knowledge and then applying it um just a few more notes here okay he had a thirst for information and improvement as we've kind of already seen and he says um he talks about this this guy that plays in the NBA still today is called this guy named Russell Westbrook and Russell's doing the same things Kobe did doing but Russell's younger so he wants to learn from Kobe so he says Russell continues to evolve he is a constant learner this past year when he was 29 he came to Orange County and we would work out for a few hours at 5 a.m. At that age, most guys in the league think they know it all. He wanted to work on his post game, on footwork, on footwork in the post. He realized that was the next step in his evolution and the key to his longevity. That's the money right there. That thirst and quest for information and improvement. So we spent quite a bit of time working on that. And I saw him use some of the lessons we worked on in game action as soon as the season started. So again, human uh, history doesn't repeat, human nature does. What Kobe was doing 15 years ago, Russell Westbrook and other players are doing today. Uh, okay. And I'll just close here. And I kind of just, again, the clarity of thought that Kobe had, he's laying it out here. And he says, winning championships is everything. It is really one of the greatest joys on this planet. That feeling drove me to always want more. When I won one, uh, I wanted two. When I won two, I wanted three. I think that drive stemmed from being a part of the rebuilding process. After struggling for a few years and working in, and working to reach that pinnacle, once I reached it, I wanted to achieve more. I never wanted to experience that still familiar feeling of defeat again. The agony of defeat is as low as the joy of winning is high. However, they're the exact same to me. I'm at the gym at the same time after losing 50 games as I am after winning a championship. It doesn't change for me. And I think that that last paragraph especially is a really important point. Just keep doing the work and whether you win or lose, like it'll take care of itself.